Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, the EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah, nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not – You can give you it a try. You can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and, like, I had to shoot a different arrow – would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. All right, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Uh, today, I have Chris Chain with me. Uh, and Chris, this is a conversation that's like long overdue. We've been talking about doing a podcast for a long time. And uh, Chris, you've been patient with me as it's it's taken me a while. So. Oh, no, nonsense. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, excited to have you here. Um, so Chris, um, you're, you're the founder of Season Report. Uh, you want to describe what that is? Yeah, seasonreport.com is a service that really just helps you answer all those questions that you find yourself looking up every single year. You know, what season dates are, what's the method of take specific season, is there a split, what's your limit, all those things that you have to look up every year. And then also with foraging and gardening and uh, growing fishing database, all that seasonal food information is available quickly as well. So uh, you are, I'm assuming you, you're a forager. I mean, you hunt, I'm sure too, <laughs> yeah. but you forage and you do all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I really just set out to build the tool that I wanted to use because I got annoyed with looking this stuff up year in, year out. And I don't know about you, but 
you have one of those situations where you're hanging out with friends and family and all of a sudden you have to go and look up something hold on I'll be right back and then it takes 10 minutes of loading a pdf and you miss right. out on on all that time and so i'm really uh coming to realize i just built something to try to let you enjoy the moments you actually care about and do the homework more quickly sure so you can just access that the season for you know it looks like hunting seasons but also like when you can harvest different things like foraging right Absolutely. there are seasons for that yep mushrooms uh wild berries stuff like that how are did, did you put this list to get like how are you maintaining a list like this uh yeah this is just uh this has been my doing and it's been a, a fun project to tackle and early on when it was just hunting i i showed it to some friends here in virginia and then i expanded from virginia to a few other states and every single person i i showed it to and and printed out like their season report that's where the name comes from uh Every single one of them, I cussed a few times and said, how has this not been created before? I don't understand. And so early on, I kind of understood the power of this approach and then just trying to work toward the goal of all, all personally sourced food information around you all across the country. So you, uh, are you like scouring the internet and keeping these updated by hand or is this, how does this work? There's a mixture of approaches depending on the, the food source because uh, some things are updated yearly, some things rarely change. It, it highly depends on, on what the food source I'm getting is. But I've created something that is uh, automated as can be. Yeah, sure. Okay, I would imagine just to save some time because that, that's a lot. That's a lot to handle. I mean, one state, you go between a couple hunting states, hunt, uh, states for just hunting and it's like, you forget the different things, you know, the different times of year mm -hmm. I'm headed to Alaska in uh, a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I have to go through all the regs, figure it all out. Cause it's so different. Uh, no, Alaska is a beast of yeah. its own. Alaska is its own country. I mean, we all know by geographic size, but regulations as well. That is probably the one that I'm, I'm tackling this summer to really put something together. That'll stand the test of time. Sure. Yeah. How many States do you do right now? So I have all 50 states for hunting uh, down to county and regulation zone. The lower 48 are pretty good. Okay. Uh, they're, they're almost all complete. Uh, Alaska was just, it's so large. I wanted to offer something to users and created more of a general framework of when you could look. Uh, and then uh, Hawaii as well, but Hawaii is kind of a whole, whole different game. Right. So um like, okay. So hunting season's obvious. Fishing season's kind of obvious. Like talk about, for, tell me about foraging season. I, I keep asking about foraging because yeah. I've, I've like dabbled, you know, you gotta get mushrooms. I'll get chaga, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not like a forager. So I'm, I'm relatively new to foraging as well. I mean, I, I lived in Louisiana for a while and had muscadines out in the forest and stuff like that. And had some bayou mushrooms, which looking back now, I, my God, I'm surprised I ever ate them without really understanding what they were. Right. But um, now I, with the foraging, it's a lot of it's seasonal, just like stuff that grows in your garden. And so there's a season and it largely, like if you scour long enough, you can find pretty good uh, places to look that information up. I'm sure you have a few of your preferred ways of looking different things up. I, sure. I kind of did the same over the last several years personally for foraging. And then I think what really set me off was, um, I had never heard that a pawpaw existed until just a few years ago. Have you ever heard of a pawpaw? 
I know of the place, Papa. Uh, let me look at it. The pop. I feel like I heard about it in Jungle Book. <laughs> Probably. It's a. Uh, yes, a, I, I'm looking it up now. Like a fruit thing. It's a weird, like a uh, banana mixed with custard, mixed with mango thing. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I enjoy it. Right. But uh, I learned of it, and I found out that it was native to southeastern U.S. and it grows in the woods and. It just blew me away that it took me so long and I'd never heard of something like that. That's a native tropical fruit to North America. And I was determined to find it. And it took me like two years to actually find a patch because they grow in particular trees to cross pollinate and stuff. And once I found it, it was, it was so cool to have it. But uh, I think through learning that, uh, through, through going through that process, uh, just trying to figure out what's available around you. And that, then I realized, oh my, there's so much food that you can readily access with that I never knew about. And so, so that's the pawpaw turned you on to foraging. Yeah. When you say it like that, it makes me uncomfortable, but yeah, think, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, so <laughs> interesting. Okay. So since then, are you like, a like, what, what's your go-to? Are you like a mushroom guy? Are you like, what's your, what's your thing to forage? Well, I've always loved mushrooms. Uh, I think like everybody I've tried growing those mushroom logs, but that's so hard to maintain humidity and temperature and I get a little nervous about bringing in a, a whole lot of mushroom spores into my house. Right. And so that kind of pushed me towards going mushrooms. But, uh, you know, come to think of it, the pawpaw mixed with a trip to see my family out in Norway. Every single town you go to in Norway and Sweden during chanterelle season, they, they erect these like on every corner almost. They erect these huge like 10 foot by 10 foot trays with like a little uh, umbrella over the top and they sell fresh freshly picked chanterelles from the forest and for like one euro you'll get a whole plate of them just sauteed with some salt and pepper and oil and so good it was it was incredible i was eating like a king for probably the cheapest european meal possible and again that was another one of those oh there's a there's a season and a location and a way to find this stuff interesting okay so you which like you seem like kind of a analytical guy i mean you are yeah this whole deal right i'm a uh, geneticist so yeah (laughs) okay so i was gonna say tell me about like where you come from what's your education like what what kind of guy are you what what it goes on in your brain that makes you want to do this i mean you're managing a lot of data yeah no it's a lot it's uh i don't sit still very often and uh so my background is uh i was working as a research scientist for uh several years in in a lab setting where I was looking at how DNA makes your body do different things and like how DNA is read and the proteins it makes and all that. And it was really cool, but there was a certain point where I felt like I had learned a lot. I learned, a, I learned a tremendous amount about the body, how it actually works, ecosystems and how, how everything works together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, everybody gets into that line of work, hoping to change the world. And it was one of those things where the deeper you go, the more you understand about how big pharma works. And sure. it's just, it was uh, quite honestly, it, was, it turned me off a little bit. Yeah. It was one of those, like, it almost sounded like a politician. You have to get so far in and then accept from so many different parties. I think one of the biggest things that turned me off was there was a neighboring lab that got, uh, they got a nice chunk of change to conduct a study yeah. on the explicit condition that they weren't allowed to publish negative results. And, right. I just, and you hear about that more and more as you get into that, that world. And it just turned me off completely. And, uh, and then I always envisioned teaching after 
a, uh, a long career in the lab. And yeah. then that just kind of moved up to the front and perfect timing. It was, uh, it's one of the most still to this day, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I, I love teaching in the classroom and I'm very fortunate enough to be able to, to bring a lot of unique fun to the classroom. And so we learn chemistry by cooking or smelting some copper from ore or winding the pickup and making electric cars, stuff like that. So I always like doing things. And then as I found myself getting back into hunting and, you know, realizing I was doing the same thing that should be automatable, uh, it just kind of was a perfect storm at the same time that COVID shut everything down. And so I didn't have anything to go do. Right. So it was a perfect opportunity to just kind of hunker down and, and build the service. Interesting. Interesting. So you realized at one point that you had gone corporate and you, was that it? I mean, is that, is that accurate? Uh, I, I haven't heard it put that way, but, uh, you I, sold out the potential was there. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on the way to selling out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like on yeah. the band's uh, second album right now. That's right. There we go. Uh, that's funny. And that's interesting. That's a cool switch. Um, and you must have some sort of entrepreneurial, Gene, because this is like a pretty big undertaking just to go from that. Those are just very different things you're doing, which is it's yeah. fun to see. No, I think, um, you know, the more times I, I talk to people like yourself, I, I get posed all these questions. And I think it teaches me about how I got here. And I think yeah. the easiest way is I just I really wanted to put my life's work into something that would make a, a difference, a and then be a positive difference. And uh, the classroom is great, but I think it's limited in scope. It's, it's much, in my opinion, it's much greater uh, scope than a lab bench can be most yeah. of the time. But I, I feel like the classroom is, you're limited. And then once I started realizing the power of this and especially bringing different, different people together uh, to un- different players within the same ecosystem that have yeah. the, the same shared interests. Yeah. Once I started seeing those conversations happen, that's where the fire really fueled. And I realized, Oh, I can, I can build something that betters conservation and hunter outreach and education in several different ways. I like that. I like that because I think you're right. Like when you're, you're out there, you might not be a forager, maybe you're a hunter, maybe you're a hunter and like, you're still doing pretty much the same thing. Yep. You know, and when you think of like a, like some of the guys that I respect most about, you know, their ability to be outside uh, and, and be an outdoorsman is that, or woman is that they can, um, they know all the things like they don't just like to hunt deer, but they can name every tree they see. Right. Or yeah. can, you know, pick out what plants you can eat, what, what mushrooms you can or cannot eat. So I like bringing those things together. I think that's a, that's a real good way to just engage with the, like the natural world. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that, uh, that adage where like, wisdom is kind of like a campfire in the middle of the woods Mm -hmm. i'm probably probably butchering this but it's it's one of those things where and i say this to realize or to to demonstrate how little i realize i know throughout this whole process every person i talk to i'm finding out new information but um the the adage goes like if you are around a campfire in the woods and it's a small fire it illuminates only a small area and the leaves that it touches and that you can see from that campfire kind of represent your total scope of possible wisdom but as you grow that fire larger the flames get larger they illuminate more area and you know more you see more but you also have a greater surface area of that which you don't know and i kind of feel like as i dive into the outdoors like you were saying man every time i feel like i have something all right i got that figured out 
it's like something new completely comes in and I just uh, learned a whole new facet of what I thought I once knew pretty well. So as you're doing this, you're really learning about all the things you could be doing. It's kind of cool because you get to spend a lot of time like knowing what you can forage, when you can forage that's or hunt or, or whatever garden or whatever. So oh, you get yeah. to know a lot about a lot. Well, I told you, I'm trying to make the, the tool that I want to use. And right. uh, I just can't wait to get out and get some of these ingredients and then bring it all together around a good meal or a good drink or something like that. Yeah, I was seeing that wild blackberry bourbon mojito. It's a fancy, Dude, that looks was, good. That was fun. I was like, all right, well, we made the syrup. We had it as much as we could possibly handle on ice cream. Yeah. And uh, it seemed like a good pairing. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, man. That is, so you are, you, you like to cook? Yeah, I got into it in the last few years, yeah. Is, was it, that like a COVID thing? No, I think honestly, uh, hunting, when I moved from the lab, into a more i don't know are you from you're an education background right you're collegiate uh do i have a college degree no yeah. no no. you're you're like collegiate level uh academic right oh uh, yeah 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 so, so you're familiar yeah, with with how how much how i kind of uh all-encompassing that can be right yeah yeah in that atmosphere <laughs> you're around the you you get people. it's very insular and i mean i'm I'm yeah, I'm adjunct. So I get, I've stayed separate from it, but it, it's very like this. You kind of, yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Colorado, loving the outdoors, doing all kinds of outdoors things. And then I got into science and just for probably 15 years straight was just on that path and really didn't experience a lot. And then whenever I moved to Virginia, I got, to hiking a little bit more and then once I switched to that classroom teacher role and I had time off and I I wasn't working you know 80 100 hour weeks in the lab and I was actually able to think about other things I was like whoa there's a whole lot of really cool stuff out here and so that transition I yeah, as cheesy as it sounds was kind of like an awakening personally where I got into cooking I got into foraging hunting every aspect of the ecosystem and food that produces it I, I actually, I know exactly what you mean. I had, I had something similar. I've talked about it in the podcast before went to law school. Uh, and you spend so much of your, uh, like the three years, like your whole world is just like very focused on one thing where you can hardly, hardly do anything else. And so I, I came out of uh, college and I hunted in college a bit. Um, but you know, I left it for so long. It was like, for a while, I'm just, I felt like I'm like this, you know, where, where it's like, you're kind of in a cave, you're just hyper-focused on something and kind of strung out. Um, so w- when I came back, when I graduated, when I was done with co- uh, law school, it was like, I can look around, I can go, like you said, all of a sudden it's like, there's so much, so many other things you can do with your time. Mm-hmm. And that was a very good day. That was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you realize that it's like that, this is how I will determine the jobs I take. This will is the, this will determine how I organize my time because I, I would have the tendency to get hyper focused where yeah, I yeah. could, I could do that unchecked, like locked in. And so it, the getting into the outdoors and kind of spreading your interest between fishing, hunting, foraging, cooking, whatever. It's just like a very it just expands your mind. It expands your experience. It, it, it improves life a lot. Certainly. And to what you were getting at earlier, learning every step of the way, I was, I was talking to, I was on the uh, publicly challenged podcast not too long ago. We got in a discussion about uh, grafting 
and I'd always heard about it. And ever since I, I spoke to him, all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking about different grafting techniques and yeah. looking at things I should be doing in my yard. And yeah, it, it's uh, kind of a, another black hole of attention. I might, I might integrate that somehow. It's pretty sciencey grafting. Is, no, it, it, it definitely, yeah, it's got it's some sciencey to it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that maybe makes sense. So, well, all right. So you, you, how, you said you grew up in Colorado. Do you hunt there a lot? Like, did you grow up hunting or is this like a very recent thing? So I grew up hunting with my dad. Yeah. But we moved middle school. So okay. I only, you know, I did some small game. Uh, I, I remember going with him. We did a lot of fishing there. Uh, looking back, I didn't realize just how much fishing was supplementing uh, the dinner table. Yeah, uh, right. You know, I was just having a blast. But looking back and hearing stories of, of talking to my parents, and there were some lean times. And I think half of that was uh, out of necessity. And so, yeah. you know, I loved fishing. And then uh, we lived on the base of the mountains uh, down in southern Colorado. And so in my backyard was was just this massive range of mountains and so yeah. it was limitless and going out there all the time was great and then we moved to texas and it's just radically different you go from this bountiful public land and always wondering what's over that next ridge and not knocking on texas but it's just going from a little boy in that that perfect situation of colorado to a suburb where to even get in the woods, you have to join a lease and there's no public land. Right. Yeah. It just, I mean, it kind of put the full break on all things outdoor that wasn't, you know, normal suburb stuff. That's interesting. So you came out of the lab. You're, you're in Virginia now. You mentioned there's some good public land in Virginia. There's cool stuff to see out there. I don't like to tell people about how awesome the state is, yeah. but it's, there's plenty of public land. There's yeah. state and federal national forests. And I mean, we have mountains, we have coastal, we have uh, just about everything you could want we have over here. Do you guys have any of the Sika deer? You guys have some. Uh, out in Maryland. Uh, and then I think they're making their way down Delmarva. I thought there uh, were some in Virginia. I could be wrong about that. So Delmarva Peninsula is uh, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. And yeah. I think they're there. So I, I, they cross a little bit. I think they fall under... Um, uh, just a general deer tag in Virginia, but then there's okay. a dedicated season in Maryland. I was just, so I just camped with my family. Uh, we started in Maryland in Assateague, mm -hmm. uh, which was funny story. Yeah. So my, I was with my, my wife, my daughter, and uh, we went with our in-laws, brother and sister-in-law and their kids and their kids kept calling it donkey Teague. And we're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And they thought they were like worried about swearing. Right. And so they kept translating into donkey teague so anyways we were camping on donkey teague saw a bunch of those seek a deer and then we, we yeah <laughs> yeah it was so then we went and and headed to and camped outside of actually um washington dc and like this little chunk of camping land uh like right outside the city in virginia right on the potomac uh yeah yeah i i might have camped at a similar spot yeah yeah it, it's really cool there we yeah. ended up going to the capital my my cousin works um for a congress congress congressman uh, but we actually, the funny thing is there's this picture of, uh, my sister-in-law in front of Nancy Pelosi's office. Cause okay. her grandma-in-law or whatever, one of their relatives on that side kept telling her when they first started dating her and my brother-in-law that she looks like Nancy Pelosi. So it was like the big joke. She took a picture in front of it. Well, like two days later, uh, a day later, Nancy Pelosi went down with COVID and like two days later, all of our families got COVID. So I'm pretty sure we got famous COVID. You got, from, you got congressional COVID. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. 
it's uh it was a, a rough time it was dark days for a couple of days but yeah thanks nancy <laughs> um so anyways yeah uh i was the reason i asked is i was just in virginia and i was thinking about that those those seek deer were really cool really cool to see yeah i haven't had an opportunity to get out there but uh i did put in for our inaugural elk hunt this year unfortunately nice. did not draw but uh i'll definitely be putting in for that every year and going down and hiking i hope to find some sheds down there too uh did, is this the really the first elk year in, in Virginia? Is it that was this it year? Yeah, oh, since, cool. uh, since we extirpated them. Yeah, uh, they just did the rat. I don't know if they've actually told the recipient. Uh, well, they had to have because I've got the negative. Uh, so I think they told the recipients in there. I don't know if they are announcing them or, or what, but uh, now it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's a Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation uh, success story. Yeah. Kentucky, they augmented the Kentucky population, pushed them over because we have them in Pennsylvania again, yep. uh, parts of West Virginia, Kentucky, but they're just slowly pushing them over the Virginia line. That's cool. I, I've seen them in, uh, when I was hunting in uh, West Virginia. Oh yeah. I found, I got, I saw I have a cool picture I posted, um, a while back of just, it was a nice bull, right? Just big old bull on, on, it was weird to see out, out East, but we have them in Michigan too. I didn't draw this year. Uh, but a guy that does taxidermy for me has done it uh drew i just saw he posted which is pretty sweet like that would be so fun that would be you know? incredible i just want to get out there uh i might do some public land hunting down there during deer season just to try to hear some bugles <laughs> that'd be so cool to hear them because you've hunted west virginia you know how that sound just amplifies down the hollers yeah that'd be bone chill are you calling them hollers now are you I think i am are, you, al- are you allowed to do that i've yeah. Why wouldn't you be? I don't know. Like, how long do you have to be there to call it a holler? It felt natural after about four years. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's, All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I, four I or five years. <laughs> when I was there, I didn't know if I should call them that or not. I felt very wrong the first time I tried it. Yeah. But then it just kind of wears on you. It's like, am I allowed to say that? I, I ended up saying it, and I, I pre, they, they didn't say anything, but I was very conscious that I was like felt weird saying it. I was like, that down that hollow. But then when you say hollow, you sound like a dork. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely going to be a holler. Yeah. Yeah. Holler's cooler. No, I, I, I'm full on. I think I'm, I'm officially hillbilly at this point. I think no. if you say uh, holler and then what the creek, creek kind you of. You say creek? Yeah. Yeah. It slowly has crept into my vocabulary. It's weird. Half of my friends will, that's the creek will play in Michigan. At least where I, the area that I'm from, I know a lot okay. of friends that say creek. Okay. And I, I've refused. You know, the other thing around here is uh, draft. draft. What, you know what a draft is? Like a draft, like it's drafty out? Uh, no. Or uh, the NFL draft? Nope. Good guesses. Uh, they, uh, it's the... Beer? <laughs> another good guess. It is a uh, uh, mountain stream. And so a lot of the... Uh. And not necessarily like an all-the-time running stream, but a lot of these haulers have drafts running through them. Ooh, that's good to know. I like that. Yeah. And so as you start to communicate with people that actually know the area, you gotta, you gotta learn the lingo or else they won't tell you anything they know. Yeah. That's how you get the good information. Yeah. So interesting. So what are you, uh, what are you working on picking now? What are you, are you hunting anything, fishing? What do you do? What do you do at this time of year? Man, right now I'm tending my garden. Uh, it's, it's full, it's bountiful going fishing here and there, but you know, mostly just getting out on the kayak but um yeah just pulling things out of the out of the garden i mean we just had that huge blackberry uh season where i got maybe two three gallons of blackberries and was able to make that uh that really good syrup 
And then I've got my eye on a patch of figs that are somehow out in the woods. And so I'll be going to get some of those. And yeah, just uh, the the benefit of having a little bit more time in the summer is you get to slow down and see what's around you. Yeah. All right. What's your uh, favorite thing out to like to go for? Because I, I, I'm trying to figure out a good word to say it, but like favorite thing to forage, garden, fish, like hunt, like if oh, you had like to pick the- one thing, one single species or type of mushroom or whatever, like that you could, that's your favorite. What's that? No, oh, I mean, venison. <laughs> venison. So, yeah. like, deer hunting but is your favorite bow thing. hunting. I mean, bow hunting, once you, rifle hunting is fun, but once you get a big buck with a bow, it just, and it all the lessons learned to get to that point. It's it's really hard to put anything above that. Yeah, I would agree I'm not, with that. I've not done an elk yet, but oh, uh, my, it might be time for that. Well, you got to just draw, right? At this point, it's all draw. It seems like. um, and it seems like so as you're doing these hunting season stuff, are you talking like do you cover points that you need to have drawn, or like is it just like dates? Like how does how do, no, and I, I point with the, the links that I provide as well. I point to different resources, whether it's the fishing game uh, agency or when it gets into foraging, yeah. you know, some, some trusted resources to go deeper. I really am building something to save you time, or I, I've built seasonreport.com to save people time and, and let them find the answers that you're actually looking for, and then just provide links to go really deeper because there's, there's so many more well-established uh, people that do the points and the draw odds and right. all that stuff. Oh, uh, and yeah, exactly. There's a ton of, that's why I ask. I, there's yeah. a lot of those. You know, one thing I am adding in uh, is shed hunting uh, okay. locations. And, you know, I'm finding out that some states have rule, like I think it was Utah, like you can't take the sheds out of certain lands and stuff yeah. like that. Yep. There are so there's seasons for it. So yeah, I'm, I'm integrating that stuff, but the draw odds, uh, not so much. And specifically, cause I want to keep it on the dinner table and I want non hunters to look at all this stuff and slowly be intrigued. Oh, maybe I should try hunting without, you know, presenting them this collegiate course of draw odd and, uh, how to hunt an elk information that's going to turn them off. And likewise, all the hunters, I'm starting to hear people starting their first garden. Cause it's just easy to, to read and interpret all on that dashboard. Yeah, that's sweet. It, it has what's been the hardest part of putting this app together? This uh, the gathering of the info, building the app. What's the time? I think outreach, honestly, uh, outreach. because it's something kind of new. Even though it's arguably one of the oldest things, is you know oldest scripts that you can find in stone or when harvest comes in, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's in one respect like one of the oldest things, but nobody's really done it for hunting. Uh, like this and taking all the different food sources together. So I think one of the most challenging things is beating people to their, their gut instinct on what it is. And they see hunting imagery and they think, Oh, okay, this is another camo or map uh, company, but no, it's, it's not that. So I think educating people around what it actually is probably been the hardest thing. Yeah, I can believe that it's it's a new idea, but it's really not. I mean, you're just you're it's a, like you you say what do you call it something almanac here or the out yeah the hunter's almanac the outdoor almanac trying to yeah it. I like that uh, that's because that's what it is that's what we're looking yeah. at yeah and you're monitoring it all the man behind the mission that's cool um what what's your uh, like you said you're you're adding a few things antler stuff what what's your like what else like what do you what do you dream of doing with this uh, where are you headed. Uh, the dinner table, I, yeah. I'm, 
I want to make this the complete service from the field to the plate. Okay. If it's food that you get with your hands, I, I want to help every step of the way and take all the learning out so you can enjoy all that process with your friends and family. Interesting. Well, Hey, we're coming up on time here, but I'm, I'm so thankful that you came on that you put up with my nonsense for, for this long. No, um, this is a really cool thing. Uh, the modernized almanac, uh, and Chris, like you've done a good job. You put a lot of work into this and it's, it's a really appreciate cool it. thing. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. I'm happy so, to and- come on and talk to, talk to your audience about it. Because like I said, it's that, it's that outreach part, which I, I find that just having a conversation is the best way for people to kind of understand what it is and then go to seasonreport.com. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're, you're done a good job. And, and like I said, I just appreciate you taking the time to talk. It was fun. No, thanks for having me on. All right. Hey, wait, before we go, I always forget to say this, but like, if people want to find out more about you, Jared always gives me a hard time because I, I forget this, but if people want to find out more, follow you, maybe want to check out the app, where should they go? What, they, what should they do? Yeah. Seasonreport.com uh, on Facebook and Instagram at my season report is the handle. And I'm doing constant updates on social media. And you can always uh, go to seasonreport.com for the free two-week trial. Make sure it's for you. And then I try to make it very affordable. I, I'm, I just want this to be something that helps people. So it's only $15 a year. And I'm constantly partnering with different conservation groups to both reduce the price and provide a kickback to them. So if, if this is a problem that you find yourself hassling about every single year, just give it a try. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, man, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out, keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like it, five stars. Helps everyone out. We'll see you out there.